welcome to the Zolly Mamza podcast with Magali and Hansini, where we have thought-provoking conversations about journeys, life and much more. Catch our latest episodes every Monday. Thank you for tuning in and we hope you enjoy. Hi guys, this is our first guest actually on the podcast, so we welcome Nida. So Nida, give us a bit of background about yourself, just sort of like a snapshot and all that good yeah. stuff. So my name is obviously Nida, I'm 19, um, I'm currently a second year student at the LSE studying sociology, um, I'm from East London, <laughs> I'm from East London um, and I'm the founder and writer of Nida Goodread. Nice, nice and that's actually how we sort of got in touch because I saw, I think I saw you on LinkedIn and I really liked that you started your own sort of writing platform. And when I looked at sort of the topics that you, uh, short articles you've written, I think that topics really resonated with me. So then mm. I reached out to you to write a piece for us. And that's sort of how, yeah, met really. How did I need a good read come about? Like, what was the concept? How did you actually start it? Um, so with the name specifically, I basically, people use my name a lot and made fun of it. Um, so when I thought of this idea during lockdown, like, oh, I should probably start writing. Um, mm-hmm. I thought I could really capitalise on this. And so <laughs> I basically... <laughs> So it's like to make it personal, I basically went on my um, private story on Snapchat and I was like, guys, I actually need help with a name. And then someone popped up and they said, need a good read. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. So shout out to her. She knows who she is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nah, um, that is how the name came up. And in terms of the concept, so I had like a, a passion to speak on topics, but I didn't know how to direct it. Um mm-hmm. And then I knew that I also loved writing essays on particular topics I was interested about. And so I just sort of combined the two and um, yeah, I sort of combined the two and then came up with Nida Goodread. So, yeah. How did you think of what topics or how you would put out the content? As in, did you have sort of like a mind, like, did you have kind of like a brainstorming sesh and like just thought about, because I feel like a lot of times when you're saying, okay, you really like writing essays but the way the one thing I really liked about your page is that it's quite digestible for people. It's yeah. not too yeah, clunky yeah. to the point that it's kind of like, what the hell am I reading? It's very, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's really digestible. So did you intend for it to be like that? Because that's yeah. the kind of reading you enjoy doing. Yeah. So um, one thing that I noticed is that like a lot of the reading is not um, available to everyone to understand and mm-hmm. one ma- major thing that I wanted to make sure I was doing when writing is to write as simple as possible because these topics affect a lot of people but um, I like I need to make sure that people actually understand what I'm writing I don't want to have some jargon like scholars usually do so um, yeah writing as simply as possible and in terms of the topics that I choose um a lot of things sort of play into account so for example like the area that I live in and like the certain um issues that are relevant in my area I find interesting or I find need talking about Mm -hmm. um and also because obviously I'm a uni student I don't devote my life to researching so I don't um sort of know everything about every single topic so that sort of narrows down what I write about because I can't research so like the topics that I talk about I want to make sure I am able to research and I know enough on Um, so that tends to narrow down what I write about as well yeah 
have you ever had this moment where you think, oh, I don't know enough about this, so I'm not going to write about it. And then you kind of go back and forth. Because like you mentioned, a lot of things that you talk about, you research, right? But where do you get to a point where you think, oh, I know quite a bit about this, that people would be interested, people would get something out of it? I feel like a lot of my articles are very passion led. So when I get to a point where I feel like I've understood this and I have like a connection to it in terms of like, I have um, a main drive that I'm going to write in this article that's when I know because Mm -hmm. I don't usually write articles that are just explaining things like there's a lot of like um you hear me in it if that makes sense yeah yeah I was yeah I was gonna say that you can literally through sort of reading the piece you can hear like your passion for it yeah Yeah, you can literally hear your voice through it and sort of your emotions when you write the piece and that's a really good thing because you sort of come across like you understand where the writer is coming from and you know why you're talking about while you were doing this what has kept you going like what has been your motivation throughout it so I guess like my friends as in like the first time I wrote my first article I was very very nervous because I've never I was never exposed to that kind of format but my friends definitely helped me going in terms of like one as in um, motivating me but two is also in um, that I'm actually educating a people because I thought you know with the people that surround me they have the same mindset as me and I'm not Mm -hmm. particularly exposed to like the racism in society so it's like I'm not able to directly educate them but also they did like tell me like Nida the things that you talk about they're particularly educating so in terms of that that's definitely kept me going the idea that I'm educating those around me even if they have the same mindset as me and also in general like passion to like keep talking about these topics I think in general because if I don't do it then who else will that's the kind of mindset I'm having yeah um yeah and so it's like if I have this skill to write then I think I should be able to utilize it in any way I can so that definitely keeps me going as well yeah yeah I really like that you said that because a lot of times I think a lot of us think about these topics and want to do something about it but we don't necessarily have like the skills to execute it but yeah hearing that you know you're you're good at writing and you're actually using it to do something and educate is what is that really good it's a conversation starter so a lot of times you just talk about these things socially like we're kind of learning something new with every piece that you write and then mm-hmm. also it's sort of like a puzzle right we can have a conversation we have our opinions socially but then when we read an article that's digestible it kind of makes it like you get a broader picture more than you mm. would if you would just have a conversation so I think yeah, yeah. it's really interesting yeah because that's why I say like the topics that I talk about they're topics that come out of discussions and topics that come out of things of social media like Twitter so you wouldn't necessarily find like an article that speaks specifically about it so that's one thing I like to bring to the table in terms of like bringing articles that are centered around discussions that are happening like right now mm-hmm. um, no definitely so I think that sort of nicely moves on to the next bit um talking about your past pieces and sort of touching upon them I really want to sort of dive into the piece you wrote about the like school curriculum. The piece is called An Isolating and Alienating Ethnocentric Curriculum. So sort of give us the background and like overall thought of that piece. So the idea of the piece came about when I was in first year and I found that like what I was studying was quite boring in the sense mm-hmm. that it was very traditional and it sort of related to A-level. And I was thinking like, I'm really at uni. Why am I not learning something that's yeah. beyond like the white founders of sociology and so it got me thinking and 
um, also one event triggered my sister came home and they were learning about slavery and the homework she was given was why is slavery beneficial to the UK and I was just like if she learned that because we went to the same school and I was like if she learned that then I definitely learned that but Mm -hmm. I don't remember learning that because like right now it's triggered such an emotional response but at that time it's like with children we put trust in the teachers to teach us things that they think is important so they were really telling us that you know you should know why slavery is beneficial but we shouldn't know like the horrific nature of it and the effects that it's had today um so that definitely triggered me to write this essay and obviously do a little bit more research into the national curriculum as a whole being very isolating and alienating because obviously you learn that in A levels but when you experience it it's different um so yeah that definitely triggered and the idea of the um article basically splits into two so the first it addresses the lack of diversity in the curriculum and within the teaching and the lack of um, diversity in the events that are taught so let's say if they do focus on black history, i.e. slavery, which mostly is most of the time, it's um, often focused on the positive aspects when it, obviously it shouldn't be um, and it should focus on especially its effects in contemporary society. So one thing with history yeah. is that it often emphasises that oh, these things are in the past, like they have absolutely no effect in our society today. And that sort of tells us like, okay, so I should never you know, I shouldn't think about these kind of things as something to do in contemporary society. Um, And then the other half of the essay talks about um, the lack of revolutionary events. So whenever we're taught of, I don't know, like abolition or revolutionary, if we are, it's very dumbed down into the idea that, you know, like this would never happen in contemporary society, you know, and even if they tried, it didn't work well, etc. So like, yeah, the article tries to talk basically around that. Yeah. Um, no, but that that that's literally, you know, the bit about what your sister about the slavery question. I literally yeah. read that, and then I was literally thinking back, like, did I must have probably had that same question as well? But yeah. you literally don't think about it. And I read that, and I was like, to be fair, me and Hans have talked about this um, before. You know, this idea that we literally um, need a reform in the the whole educational system because that's that's one problem with it but there's also you know other issues as well within education system you said something about when your sister came home and you realize what you learned and I think the most not annoying but it's infuriating when you realize you learned this and you grew up with this because like Mm -hmm. you said you reflect back on what you learned but Mm -hmm. at that point you didn't have the knowledge to speak up about it so you're kind of being taught it amongst your peers and you're kind of, you're accepting it until you grow up and you realize this isn't the case. But the thing is, the people around you, because this topic doesn't affect them, they just carry on believing that. And I think that's where the issue kind of lies in because they don't get to see um, the other side of the coin because we're not taught it. Like you said, the curriculum definitely needs like... A whole reform. <laughs> it needs yeah. a reform, but I think it also needs input from people that it's been that, spoken no, about. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, like all yeah. the history that um that that's literally that they get taught should be taught, you know, by people who've actually you know experienced or who have a personal touch to it. No, I was just gonna say, especially in uni, like in first year, where we were taught like anything to do with intersectionism it was often like the last slide of the presentation like it was just Mm -hmm. like a little add-on to the lecture and it 
like that needs to change because intersectional sort of makes up the ground of um social theory and how we understand our world like everybody should be adopting an intersectional lens because if they don't then they're missing out on such important things and the fact that most of the time it was just like that last slide where if you want to do it you can if you don't you don't have to (laughs) it's just a bit like it's just a bit problematic for me um (laughs) just to sort of give the listeners like you mentioned intersection so can you sort of give a brief give a explanation as to what you mean by that Yeah, so intersectional, it basically means like the combination, like you don't look at a social characteristic by itself. So let's say race, you don't look at race by itself. You look at race as intertwined with uh, class and gender or like maybe two at a time or three at a time. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Actually, I was going to ask, what are things that we can do now, like people in our generation to kind of bring about reform? Yes, it's one thing to say the educational system needs needs a revamp, but we're kind of, we're not the day-to-day person can't make that change, right? Yeah. But the one yeah. thing I realized we can do is, like we spoke about, because we have younger siblings or one day we'll have children, there are changes that we need to be in mind of. What are things we can do, let's say, now for us, for younger people? Yeah, no. Yeah, so I guess in terms of like what your younger siblings learn, there's always the freedom to like go out there and research online and sort of one thing we can do is like outsource to other articles or like other books that you we think can facilitate in like our younger siblings um education and I thought um another thing could be very simple just like ask them like what have you learned in school today and like when I do that with my siblings I see like if they've learned something that's very big or that I think that they need extra info on then I can sort of be that medium to like yeah. give them that extra information <laughs> I think from what you're saying like it's actually really true like we can really compliment and be that medium but the one thing I found challenging from personal experience is my sister actually she's on she's on TikTok and she came across the really horrendous video yeah George Floyd and she asked me about it and it's such a big question because it's like you don't want to it's a big topic I don't know as in, I do know about it, but I don't feel like I'm qualified enough to kind yeah, of yeah. distribute that information. So you're just trying to figure out your best to explain something so big. And then I started asking people for like, oh, does anyone have any resource for children? Because if I explain something to you, you'd get it right. But to children, yeah. it's a completely different mindset. Because mm-hmm. then she was asking me, but why would people do this? Like, but yeah. like, she just didn't understand it. And I was like, how do I, how do I talk about racism to a eight-year-old child yeah you've never had to kind of dilute it down so I think yeah you're right like we definitely need like some sort of resource outside and we need to look into these resources because one thing I realized is either I'm not looking for them or I'm not looking in the right place for those kind of resources or I think like like time is moving too quickly as in like technological advancement and social media has become Mm. so desensitized that like children are viewing these things before we can even stop that yeah and so like we're just trying to catch up don't you think it's crazy that you know at this time we have to we don't have the resources you know to give that to our kids and it's like we should I'm not saying we should be they should be expected to learn that in school because obviously you know there's only so much you can learn in school but it's like that should be one of the things that they should be taught or how to deal with it or when you come across it how to talk about it with your kids or maybe actually maybe the parents need to have training I think that experience made me realize it is really our responsibility to kind of educate our kids because it's like you said there's so much you can learn from school 
But it's also the fact that I, I remember seeing this thing on social media where someone was like, let's say it's a white family. It is everyone's responsibility to teach them about these things because mm-hmm. then there are other kids who are actually going through these experiences and they don't have a choice of whether to educate themselves or to not. So I think as best as we can, you're just trying to, I guess, figure out the resources. Fair enough. Like I couldn't find the resource, but I'm sure it kind of, it starts a conversation, right? We need to find that kind yeah. of resource. And even like within primary, secondary schools, like there's a tendency to like sort of blur the realness of racism. So like mm-hmm. um, I've heard like they that they teach you like racism no longer exists or like if it does, it's very minuscule. Um, and it's just like... I know. And it's like you're teaching these children, especially if there's like ethnic children in there that you're teaching mm-hmm. them like racism no longer exists. And that's very, very problematic. And um, like if we're talking about reform in the education system, as well as us trying to do something, because obviously it needs to be both ways. The reform, there needs to be strong, strong reform and sort of a change in how we're teaching these sensitive topics. And like it shouldn't be acceptable to just say like racism no longer exists to a couple of children who might have definitely experienced something in their life I was gonna yeah yeah, because I was gonna say like I have friends that their siblings are still experiencing it you know they're in primary school and like it's a real it's still a real thing yeah 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 the sort of mindset you can say starts from early you know when they're exposed Mm -hmm. to these attitudes and it can happen from simple things in the playground like oh I don't want to play with you or like these very very little things and because they go unnoticed and unchallenged like it just develops into um greater bigger ideas yeah because I think what speaking from experience like like I I didn't I didn't actually like go through like a lot of like um like racist um things in my life but I think it also it sort of stemmed a little bit it, it sort of came out a little bit when sort of like applying for jobs or anything like that because mm. going into like interviews I always felt like automatically I always felt like I was the lesser person yeah, um yeah. so that's sort of I think with a lot of people that sort of that's that stays with them like without knowing like where it stems from but like you said like it it starts from when we're young and we don't realize it but it actually does affect you and it can come out much later much later yeah because I like you're saying like it's like you're walking into a room where you're the odd one out and that's where the complex kind of develops but definitely like for these kids who are going through these things, whichever way it is, what you know, whether you're ethnic or you're not ethnic, whatever it is, you don't realize the consequences of it until you're much older, and then you realize what you go through. Because how, like, how how do you expect an eight or nine year old, either you know, either way, to understand the concept of racism? Like, you you can't. Yeah, yeah. Like, how do you that even if your child, for example, is I don't know, Asian or black or whatever you can't it's really hard to even explain to them the like what you're experiencing is because of this and they don't realize until much later anyway that is like currently trying to understand like the racism but there also needs to be greater understanding of the effects of it and sort of the trauma that these people go through so like for example if we talk specifically like um, in the classroom you know when these um, when children are having sort of outbursts of strange behavior or ADHD When in reality, it's just the effects of the racism in the classroom that can be through teacher labelling or whatever. And then that leads to the exclusion of a student. So like I'm doing research on exclusion and a lot of it comes from the racism and their children 
the fact that they're being fed the idea that you know racism doesn't exist they have no way they have no one to talk to when they go through these things because they don't understand what's happening and so when they're labeled as kids with ADHD and therefore they should be excluded it's just um such ignorance to like what they're going through and the inability to understand like this is a child and you need to pay some attention to what to their needs yeah, yeah. yeah and understand sort of where they're coming from and why they are you know why they're the way they are do you think sometimes the work that we do or the conversations that we have like for example Megs and I working on this or Nida you're working on your project do you think it's as a result of us trying to kind of mediate what we experienced in a way so like from our personal experiences we're basically bridging that gap yeah yeah I think like um personal experiences will always play a part in um what we're writing and what we decide to discuss because obviously we don't want the same things to happen to other people and especially like when you vision your work in the future you want to say like I want this to have an impact for the generations to come and for my children's children and it's like because the society we live in is so complicated and there's so much going on that like we have this um, need to change things for the future yeah no I'll literally pick pick that up as well because I think one thing that scares me is like you know when I have kids in the future what do I want their upbringing to look like like what do I want you know society to be um when they're growing up and like their education because education is you know at the heart of everything that's where it starts and that's when you know they get that they form their ideas their personalities their characteristics and that's where they like form fears as well and and like you said trauma and that is one thing I struggle with because it's like I want my kids to live in a you know in a good society but realistically Mm. like it's it's really hard and there's a lot to be done and it's a lot of responsibility at home as well I think as as we said yes a lot of it is at school but then also it's like a big thing on your head (laughs) to kind of to execute well because you're kind of are bringing up the next generation but yeah 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 definitely yeah and like education like like you said it creates sort of attitudes um mm-hmm. so like one idea like um when we're taught british values for example i remember being taught like democracy and there's probably one about togetherness or something i really can't remember <laughs> <laughs> exactly no, as in like when you really step out of that environment that learning environment you really see like why were we taught that because it's really not true like for example democracy like if you're in a constituency where um it's Tory majority and your Labour vote doesn't really count because at the end of the day you know the vote is going to go to the other party um Mm -hmm. so like these very small things these very small problems with the voting system as well as democracy as a whole like do we really have a say in our politics like is there really a party that stands for us there's so many issues with the British values and that like I just sort of think like when I was learning it I didn't know this stuff before because obviously we're submersed into an environment where like everything you're taught is true and everything you're taught really happens in society so it's like yeah it sort of creates like this ignorance that defines British society yeah no, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah no definitely and what really annoys me is that a lot of people are ignorant to it they don't actually know their own history mm. but they're just brought up with those values that they were taught in school and that's what they've taken on board yeah. but it's, it's it's not true I feel like we're just literally like so passionate about this but I yeah. know it's an amazing 
really great um article that you that that you wrote and it really you. you know got me thinking so the next topic i wanted to talk about was the article that you wrote about peace and there's a bit where you say society will live to see peace I think that was a really good article and I wanted to sort of discuss that a bit further. So could you give a bit of background on that, please? So um, I wrote this piece when, you know, we were in the midst of the Black Lives Matter movement and there was a lot going on. Um, And I saw, like, we were all surrounded by these events that were happening and everyone was, like, sort of wanting to research more and, like, we were hoping for change. Um, So like amidst all of that happening I sort of sat back and I thought like what are we looking for like what Mm -hmm. do we want to see in the future and I thought like what is our drive that is making us you know start all this research etc so I wanted to write a piece um sort of reflected that and I basically wrote out what I was hoping to see as a result of all of this work but obviously I wanted to emphasize like this is not going to happen overnight or like we were not we're not going to achieve this next year like this is going to be a very very long project um because essentially we're reversing histories and history of discrimination yeah you know effects of a colonialism and like Mm -hmm. there's just so much that we're trying to um, uncover and even learn about because like it's like we said before education doesn't teach you everything so Mm -hmm. there's a lot that we don't even know that we have to reverse the effects of so yeah peace was just sort of I was hoping that when people read it that they would sort of see like why they're doing the work that they're doing and sort of give everyone sort of the base as to what we're looking for in the future yeah yeah no so that's basically what I took from it was that we all want like a peaceful society like we all want a great society where everyone's working together and it's like harmonious and um but what I struggle with it's like is that is that ever possible is that is that possible is that achievable Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so like that's one of the things that I struggle with as well because it's like we're doing so much work but you know these events keep on happening and like you think can I as myself doing what I'm doing really make an impactful change but I guess one thing that we have to hold on to is like the idea of hope and sort of Mm -hmm. the idea that hopefully um, as a society we will come together and sort of work as hard as we can to reverse the effects of what are happening and um because I get it like especially when I'm writing I'm thinking like you know should I keep keep on writing this article or should I like should I be one to publish this and think that it will I don't know change a couple minds um because that's what um, I was struggling with when I was starting the platform like am I really gonna educate enough people because obviously like Mm -hmm. I said before the people that were in my circle like they had the same mindset as me so it's like in terms of um when you're doing this work you want to envision at least what you want to see in the future even though it might not be as attainable in the short term you want to envision it because that's what you're working towards and when you're working this hard you have to have hope because um then without hope is sort of just a task you're not really engaged with but it's like you just have to have hope that you sort of um, achieve a version of what you want to see in the time coming I think it can get really overwhelming. Sometimes you you think, like you said, all the work that we're doing, is it really mounting up to anything? But it's kind of like, what else would you do? You, yeah. you, you have a sense of responsibility towards the future to kind of put your, you know, 
make some sort of effort. It's not really about how much you do. It's about kind of, you're, you're making that step, you're doing it, no matter how big, how small. You know, an article can spark a conversation and it's a big thing. Yeah, so I think yeah. it's just about us doing doing our piece towards towards what we want to see in our own ways and not comparing yeah. ourselves to kind of, oh, you know, but yeah. I can't make this change because in a way everyone can make a change. Yeah. In their yeah. own, in their own field, in their own industry. Like Max, I think you spoke about earlier, the fact that when you walked into an interview, you felt inferior to realize that you're putting yourself in that position so that it, people coming in like grads in a few years can see someone like you interviewing them. And yeah, that's the change that's that you're making no matter what field you're in there is always something for you to do exactly yeah there's so many things that are happening right now that you can see that there's change happening so like personal example like with my friends they're creating their own businesses and etc like they have that entrepreneurial spirit that shows like like we're really about to make change here not just in society but for ourselves and redefine what it means to be an ethnic minority to be an Asian person to be a black person like to defy the statistics and that small form or big form really of change is what my article talks about as well so like the big changes and the small changes as well and I think it's definitely easier to approach the situation by envisioning your own personal change and how you think that will impact society and then yeah um, you never know like the knock-on effects of that so yeah 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 definitely Because I feel like when we, if we just look at our own personal experiences, we didn't grow up with a lot of mentors or role models um, in the fields that we're stepping into now. So even that change, choosing to do that subject, choosing to go into that field, it's a big thing because, you know, like you're basically saying to younger people right now, it's possible for you to go into this. This is an option for you. So like you said, even the entrepreneurs that are now defying statistics, it kind of means it's possible because when we were growing up, like how many entrepreneurs did you see? Especially like our age, really interesting piece. And it's good to hear like your perspective on it. And it's like, we do need to have hope because otherwise it can get very depressing because when you think about, because I remember, you know, when everything was sort of happening, well, it's still happening now. Yeah. But it was when it was literally at its peak there were times where like I'd, I should be working but I literally could not focus mm. because it's like you feel helpless it's like you want to do something but you, you can't for the future generation like you know they'll experience some change it'll take a long time but as long as we do our bit it will trickle down to the generations to come yeah and I think like even if you're not doing direct community work like even you working in your position that's making change because you're saying to other people like this is possible and Mm -hmm. that is definitely a form of change that we want to see when you step into space and you see someone ahead of you like a couple of years that looks like you and most likely has had similar experiences to you it makes you feel like okay I in a way there's a there's a there's a path for me here it's Mm -hmm. it's very small but it's kind of like oh okay you do belong here as opposed to you you walk in a room and there's no one that looks looks that (laughs) that looks like you or even has can you you can relate to so I think that in a way you are making a difference definitely definitely um okay I have a couple of questions about need a good read in terms of what are your plans for it because I'm sure when you started like what were your plans for it when you started it versus how has that changed when I started it was sort of a way to see like how I could direct my passion into something productive um, because I knew like 
I felt like I wanted to make change, but I wasn't sure how I was going to do that. So definitely mm. that was one of the driving passions towards um, Need a Good Read. And right now it's definitely the same thing, like wanting to educate as many people as I can with my work and also adapting the way that I do so. Because I found that like people who like simple things like people want to watch videos or like people want to read like there's a difference in the way that people want to educate themselves yeah so yeah that's, that's definitely true. yeah so it's about accommodating to those different needs because like traditional research is basically just reading a lot of long words and maybe things that you probably don't understand so in terms of need a good read it's a way to like change that and sort of bring work that is easy to understand and therefore is easy to talk about, is easy to um, ensure that you can make change with. Um, so yeah, that's definitely like a vision for my platform, yeah. Have you got plans of any, I don't know, like next year, like another small goal, big goal for, for the platform? As in, um, is it you're working on? I definitely want to bring um, like, so maybe a YouTube channel or like an animated video series because right now it's a bit techie yeah it's a bit techie because I'm trying to understand how to work it but um definitely like trying to bring another side to need a good read where it's more interactive Mm -hmm. and um more visual definitely yeah so trying to bring that maybe um I want to introduce like research um so like I said I want to research exclusion especially in Newham Mm -hmm. so definitely bring a side of research to need a good read where I'm able to as well as talk about things bring in like research that I've done myself um and maybe some things with publishing I'm not sure but like that's definitely like a lot I know yeah yeah I was gonna say yeah yeah, it's a very long-term goal, but I'm hoping, like, I can do something with that. Yeah. No, I and we're literally going to support you throughout. Oh, yeah, rooting. Because <laughs> yeah. I think your work rooting is so important you. because, you know, like we were talking about earlier, like, when we read these things, it just makes you understand it in a much better way to then be able to explain it to someone else. Because mm-hmm. sometimes when we're in, like okay someone let's say someone asked you a question about this about your experience it's really hard to kind of put it into words yeah, yeah so yeah. for you to be able to read something it's like oh okay this makes sense to me you know mm, yeah yeah but yeah, yeah. okay <laughs> interesting and what is what's your favorite author slash book what do you enjoy reading so I used to read a lot of like fiction that was before uni then uni started mm-hmm. and I was exposed to like a whole area and a whole wide range of scholars and you know like books that I could read so I started getting into more like educational books mm-hmm. and right now I'm just reading around around a lot of topics that I think are interesting yeah so I think because of that um, I don't have a favorite book like I haven't read something that said like this is definitely the book that I would say has been my favorite but yeah. um, I do have um, a favorite quote by Edward Said and he says texts are not finished objects and I think that very well talks about my work like I've written the article as a text but it's not finished there we're able to have conversations about it we're able to bring life to the article we're able Mm -hmm. to envision what we want to see from the article able to physically see what change we want to see so the idea that texts are not finished objects it kind of just represents my work as a whole yeah I guess it fuels you and it's it literally stands for like what you're doing no I really like that because it's true because we can write something or like you know 
talk about something but unless you do something about it actively then it's like what's, what's the point sort of yeah, yeah. I like that. so you're in second year now Nida right do you find your work that you do complements your uni work or do you find that it's completely different like how do you manage really so um second year uni I think because the topics are a lot more diverse it definitely complements like what topics I'm going to talk about or it may inform me on what to read in order to write the articles so it definitely complements it but obviously second year uni is a bit coming from my neck um, so, <laughs> um in, terms, in terms of timing I'm gonna have to sort that out um because uni is definitely taking up a lot more time than I thought I usually get like an hour every day to sort of do some planning so hopefully like I can organize some time where I'm able to just do it all in one and then I'm ready to be active again because right now I haven't been very active but yeah I'm just getting used to second year so yeah, yeah but I think it's yeah. about it's about kind of every time you're you've got a new challenge it's about restabilizing <laughs> thank you for you know answering all the questions that we had like yeah thank you so yeah, much definitely. for jumping on <laughs> yeah definitely learned a lot me. and yeah. gotten your perspective and you know different perspectives I think we, t- we covered quite a lot yeah thank you for having me it was a really nice opportunity to talk about my articles so, yeah yeah no we really enjoyed it but yeah so if people will sort of to reach out to you how can they get hold of you like what's the best way so definitely my instagram at need a good read so n-i-d-a then good read and also my email which is on the insta like it's a little tab that says email so you could definitely email me there Thank you for listening to this episode. We hope you enjoyed our content. You can reach out to us on Instagram at zodi.mamzel and keep up to date with our latest adventures. Wishing you a wonderful day. Here's to you keeping your head up and winning. Lots of love, Zoli Mamzel. <laughs>